Expanded Thinking is a new podcast produced by Talking Words. I'm your host, Walter Mason. And in this special eight-part series of conversations with writers, creatives, and spiritual practitioners, I'll be introducing you to some remarkable guests whose powerful ideas and extraordinary stories will inspire you to live a more fulfilling and more expansive life. Today I have a very special guest, best-selling author and renowned psychic intuitive, Debbie Malone. Debbie is a clairvoyant, medium, and psychic detective. She has written several books about her work assisting detectives across Australia, and she has also created exquisite decks of angel cards that are used by people across the world. Debbie has also recently updated her famous book, Awaken Your Psychic Ability, about inspiring people to develop their own intuitive skills. Today, we're going to talk about psychic gifts, reading oracle cards, and more. Hello, Debbie. Hi, Walter. How are you? It's such a tonic seeing you, that's that's for sure. It's exciting. I thought it would never happen again, and here we are. Yes, it's great. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's where we've had some wonderful times together at psychic fairs and all sorts of places, and and now we're going to have a wonderful time together in the studio. I can feel it in my bones. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but it's just about all I can feel because I've got to confess to you, Debbie, that um, I don't. I, I never feel as though I am particularly intuitive myself. And I often meet people who say I don't have an intuitive bone in my body. I don't have a psychic bone in my body. So where on earth do I start to develop my psychic ability? I think um, one of the most important things to do is sort of follow your gut feelings, your, your you know, inner intuition. We all get gut feelings or feel, you know, little knowings about something feels right or it doesn't feel right. And I think that's the biggest thing is trusting and believing that it's not your imagination. Yeah, yeah. That sense of trust is an important one, isn't it? Definitely. I'd have to say in my lifetime it saved me many times, especially working on uh, crimes. Yeah. You know, I've had feelings that something wasn't right or, you know, just to be careful and then that, that warning would come to fruition. Yeah. You know, but it, sometimes it could be as simple as um, finding a parking space. You know, and your angels could be sort of guiding you and you're going, no, no, I'll go this way. And it's like, no, turn right and there it is, a car drives out and you drive in. So it can be little simple things. It doesn't have to be something, you know, life, you know, um, life-saving or, or worrying you about, you know, that you're going to have a disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it comes in, in many different levels, doesn't it? Yeah, it can come in. Um, sometimes it's just your own inner voice speaking with you. Other times it can be that gut feeling or even in your heart. Sometimes you might feel those tingles. You, know, you get the tingles up the arms or the tingle up the back of the neck. Other times it could be a, a subtle breeze or you know that might change around you or a ringing in the ears that can change um, the frequency around you to sort of alert you that something's just not quite right. Yeah, yeah. So we, we alert to those sort of to the wind and to the sounds and all those things, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. My little, when my little boy was only two, he actually, um, we live on quite a, um, a busy road at school time and he was right beside me and then suddenly he ran across the road and I didn't notice. I sort of had looked down because I had my daughter in my arms as well and he ran across the road and then this breeze came up and nearly blew me over and when I looked up there he was on the other side. And I quickly got, I was lucky enough to get to the other side because there was a car coming up the road and he was on his way back. <gasps> so that, that really alerted me to sort of say, look, there's something going on, get over there now. Yeah. Interesting. Debbie, um, 
Tell us more about your own personal experience with psychic development. When did it all start for you? I've had psychic abilities around me um, well, since a child. I had my first near-death experience at three. And then I had another one at 13 when I um, had my appendix out. I had, a, um, had to have an anaesthetic and my heart stopped. And then since then, I've now had another um, five near-death experiences. But wow. during my life, I used to get messages and things and I kind of had a feeling I could be psychic, but I didn't want to know about it. I tried everything to turn it off. The first real dead person I saw was my grandfather. He, he died when I was 15 of throat and lung cancer. And he used to come and visit me, but I thought that was okay because he was mine and I was very close to him. But then um, I started to get more and more things and I had a miscarriage in my uh, late late 20s and from that point onwards it was just flung open and I just I was just seeing murder cases all the time I um, started seeing the backpacker murders and that was a big thing on the tv at that point and from then on it was just open and I couldn't shut it so I joined a learning circle to try and learn how to just turn it off not to turn it on any further but I couldn't shut it down so I had to sort of learn to go with it and the more I worked with it the better my life became the more I went against it the more frightening it became because I didn't have any control of the information I was receiving. Were you able eventually to learn to control that information? Yes it took some time and a lot of reading and back then the internet wasn't what it is today and even the beautiful spiritual books that we see today there were some around but not to the extent we have yeah. and you know I, went, I remember going to a um, it was like a crystal shop it was one of the early ones at Cronulla and I asked the lady was there any books to sort of help me and she sort of said oh look she sort of whispered to me no well, I'll take you to the back of the shop they're called occult books but we don't sell them at the front counter so she snuck me down the back and said maybe some of these might be of interest to you so here I'm thinking I'm doing this, you know, voodoo witchy kind of thing and it was nothing of the sort. It was more about learning to white light and meeting your guides and, you know, protecting yourself and lifting your vibration. And now it's so out there, you know, everybody sort of talks about it where before it was sort of a very taboo type of a subject. Yeah, yeah. Debbie, you talk about a learning circle. Can you tell us what that is? A learning circle can be where a group of like-minded people who are um, spiritually, you know, connected. They might meet once a week, and then they will um, sit in a circle, and then they will open um, with a like a healing prayer, and then so you might do a meditation. And then they'll do a um, they'll send out sort of healing to people who are you know sick in hospital, or we might um, you might practice exercises like that's where I learned to do psychometry. You know, so they might pick a person and then they'd ask somebody to read an, an item of jewellery. You know, so so that's what psychometry is, yes, the, the reading of, of objects. Yes, yes. So it's because everything we wear actually is imprinted with our energy, but metal objects more so. I mean, oh. clothing does, but clothing we wash. I mean, if somebody um, wears a hat, we don't wash hats all that much So because a lot of males don't tend to wear a lot of jewellery. Yes, yeah. But um, watches and rings and, and necklaces tend to be the better objects or anything that's metal will absorb our energy very quickly. And what about crystals and things like that that we, we keep around us? Are they also absorbing our energy? Yes, they definitely do absorb our energy. And at times they can actually change and grow within them. I've had uh, different crystals that uh, one I, I wore quite a lot. It was an amethyst and it was when I was going through a lot with working on the backpacker murders. And it was a beautiful mauve colour. And by the end of, I don't wear it anymore, but it had almost gone white. And um, yeah, the crystals inside had changed um, sort of frequency and shape. Wow, that's amazing. Mm. Um, and I want to talk to you about your detective work in a little while. Uh, 
you also you talk about uh, meeting your guides. Uh, is this just one person who's gone beyond, or is this a, a team of people? Who are our guides? Yeah, I think um, from my perspective, I feel that we we were all born with a guide, so they come with us into this life, and then they'll leave us leave with us when we when we pass. Okay, but I do see we have different guides that come in at different times of our life. There might be different learning guides, or there could be ones from past lives, or it could be someone could become a guide as once they've passed over. I had a guide very early on called Running Horse, and he used to be around me quite a lot. And I'm not really into American Indian sort of um, culture. There's nothing wrong with it, but it was just interesting. Here I, ha- here I had this man called Running Horse, and he used to help me a lot. And if I'd lose things, he would always come in and um, tell me where things were. But at, at times I have different um, energies coming in. I don't always see my guides, which is uh-huh. uh, something that I, I do when I do meditations, but I don't see them all the time. A lot of the time it's more I feel their energy or I, can, um, I, I do channel so I can actually feel their frequency come through. So there's different energies for different um, – different guides, whether it's a male energy or a female energy, their voice might be deeper. Uh, sometimes I'll come from, a, you know, maybe from, not even from the from otherworldly beings, I would call them. So from other, maybe, you know, parts of the universe. Yeah. You know, in, in the angelic realm, I connect with quite, you know, constantly I'm when I'm writing. Yes. As we've got here in front of us, uh, listeners, just one of uh, Debbie's beautiful angel decks, um, the angel, the guardian angel reading cards, uh, which are yeah, which is you. just exquisite. Thank you, um, Debbie. Before we get on to the angels, I wanted to ask you a bit about your psychic detective work. You've worked on some high-profile cases doing your psychic d- detective work, haven't you, Debbie? Can you can you yes. tell tell us a bit more about about that work and 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 how you do it? Yes, and initially the Backpackers was the first um, case that I saw, so it took a while and I ended up, I went to the police and sort of told them that I um, I was getting all these visions and at first they um, they checked me out, wanted to know all my doctors to see where I'd been and and, <laughs> and then I, because I knew too much, then they wanted to know where I was on certain days because then I became a suspect, so that was quite frightening. Then I, I got too involved because um, Ivan Malat's girlfriend actually made contact with me through, um, I used to work at a local at Fairfax Community Newspapers. Yeah. And we did a story about my visions in there and then she contacted the newspaper and wanted to meet up. I, I didn't ever meet her up, up in person but I did speak with her many times on the phone and, um, yeah, so that was quite frightening because then I was quite involved and was actually told I might have to go to court on the case. And it was quite frightening because I had a fake electricity man come to my house at that stage and... Um, looked out the window my car just happened to be outside the window and I could see the reflection in the car window and he was sort of flat against the wall with all this wiring coiled up in his hand waiting at the door and I I went to open the door and my uh, second son was only six weeks old and as I went to I touched the handle and the handle got really hot and my guide said don't open the door so I didn't and luckily I didn't that's when I looked out the window and there was this man and um he hung around out the front for some time and then actually rang uh, the task force and they just said get out of the house yeah so then I was under, you know, they were watching me for a little while because of that. Wow. You have to be strong doing this kind of work, don't you? Well, well some, some may say stupid, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I actually um, went undercover for Victorian police a few years ago on another case Yeah. and had to meet a suspect who had provided me with a lot of information on a case I'd worked on. And that was that was really quite frightening because I just didn't know what he was capable of. But he was actually a very pleasant man. But yeah. 
yeah, it was it was interesting. I think for me, I think of how the families must feel, and I just think that they do deserve closure. Mm. You know, and I, I would I would hope if there was things that um, like if if my family something happened like that, I would hope that someone may be able to help or assist in some way if possible. And you know, that's why I do it. Yeah. Because it is, yeah, it is frightening and I've had people break into my office and um, come after me. They've waited for me in the car park. I've had a lot of things happen over the years. But then I also feel that if that sort of thing's happening, that must mean that I'm on the right track because I must know something if they wouldn't be bothering otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And it reminds me too of the immense empathy required for this kind of work. Which do you think comes first, the psychic ability or the empathy or are they, they... inextricably linked together. Yeah, I think they're, they're quite close, well, very closely linked, but I do see the empathy comes first because yeah. I, for me, I always put myself in that person's shoes and think, how would I feel? Mm. You know, and I, I just, it's very heart-wrenching some of the stories that I hear with um, the the murder cases or missing persons, but not even that, just everyday life. There's so much sadness mm. and people are so lost and I think it's nice for people to realise that there's life after life. So if it's not a working on a murder case, it may be someone's lost their beautiful mum and they want to have proof that she still exists on the other side. Yeah, yeah. And and that's why they come to you. So I don't need to ask you, there really is another side. Definitely. And I think one thing that we don't always think about is that people think um, that we all, you know, some people think when we die we, we suddenly get a set of wings and we all become angels. Like there's good and bad in life, there's good and bad in death. And one of the reasons um, I sort of wrote the Awaken Your Psychic Abilities is because it's learning how to open up the right way, you know, in a a protective way. You don't want to be opening up and picking up on negative energies or frequencies. It's it's like when people go to parties and they're drinking and mucking around and playing with a Ouija board. They will get contact, but they don't necessarily get contact with the right type of frequency because... um, Ghosts can attack you and people don't believe that. But I did a TV show for Channel 10. Um, it was called Scream Test around the late 1999-2000 and we were taken to um, some of New South Wales' most haunted locations and I was locked in Maitland Jail and I was strangled by the ghosts. I had big strangulation marks on my neck for over 18 months. I got scratched down the face. I got thrown around the room. and it, This was in different cells by different um, entities that were still stuck in these cells and for me that was a really big learning curve because I'd sort of heard about that kind of thing and I had white, been white lighting myself but I'd probably was locked in there for over 12 hours and we would be put in the room completely black blacked out um, we had a video camera and we had a an EMF tester to test the frequency if any ghosts came in or a temperature gauge. But we weren't allowed to film or have the light on unless we were filming. So my way out, I just filmed everything because I thought at least I've got light. But, um, yeah, so much happened. And unfortunately it didn't all make it to television and and I I sort of felt that, you know, people need to see the good and the bad. Yeah. You know. We need an uncut version. We definitely do, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You talk about white lighting yourself. Tell us about that. What's that process and why? Um, white lighting is lifting your vibration and sort of expanding your aura and your frequency to, to shut you down from more negative energies or entities. It's not even just it's not even just about bad ghosts. It could be when we're um, 
you know, we're sitting on the train. We've got someone sitting too close to us. You feel like they're in your space. They're not touching you, but they're close. So we're on the plane and someone's arms on the armrest and you're sort of trying to, you know, reduce your space. Um, so for the white lighting, it's actually lifting your frequency and, and actually expanding the positivity, calling your guides in. Ask, you can ask your angels, you know, to expand around you. Silly, my way of doing it, I have a shower every morning and every night. So every morning I'm in the shower, white light on, the water's coming down and I imagine an invisible bubble around me. At the end of the day, I have another shower. So if there's any anything that's come to me during the day, it, you know, when I'm doing readings, I can have a lot of spirits that will be hanging around. So then I can sort of wash that frequency off. So at least I can go to bed without them all annoying me when I'm trying to sleep. And Debbie, do you see people's auras? No, that's one thing I don't oh, see. Yeah, I actually, I actually see more into the body. So if there's blockages or any... I'm not, and I don't propose to be a doctor or anything like that, no. but sometimes I will see blockages in people or I will feel that same pain in myself. Mm. I have this one gorgeous client and he's so funny. Um, when he first came, he, he he didn't even know why he came. He His father had passed away, so he came to have a reading about that and then I kept saying, your father's worrying about your heart, there's something wrong with your heart. And I said, did your, your father died of a heart attack because he showed me and then I felt it. And I said, you need to get checked out. And he said, I will. I don't believe in anything you're talking about because, you know, I go to the gym every day and, you know, I just had my heart checked last week and I said, look, I'm really, really, really want you to get checked out. Your dad's really annoying me. And his wife's a nurse and he says, oh, I just humoured you because you kept going on about it. And he was supposed to be going deep sea fishing with his friends and he said, well, will that be good? And I went, no, I don't see it going. And he was really cross about it and he said, why not? And I said, there's something wrong with your heart. Anyway, it ended up, he went to the doctors, he ended up getting three stints put in and um, it was the day or... The week he would have been on his deep sea fishing trip, he was in hospital. Oh my goodness! And he's come to me a couple of times now. And it, it, the last, second last time he came, he said, "Right, well, I went to the doctor and I'm fine." And I said, "No, there's something still there." And he said, "No, don't be silly." Anyway, he, his wife came with him this time, and because she's a nurse, she said, "You're going back in." And they put in another two stints. Wow. You know, so and it's weird because it's like a, a darkness or a heaviness that I feel, or it's almost like there's a black spot. Mm-hmm. Um, in the person, or I will feel it in my body. And once I tell the person that I feel, you know, I just say, do you have a discomfort? Or is there any issues there? Mm-hmm. And if they say yes, I just say, well, I think you should go and just get checked out by the doctors because some. Um, and a lot of people have come back and said, yes, that was correct. And I think it's more just, I think what's forewarned is forearmed. And yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Oh, how interesting! How interesting. So there are many, there are many sort of layers to this, aren't there? There's not just the um, you know, is is this the man that I should marry? But there's also, uh, you, you know, what's gone wrong in my past? What's going wrong with me now? And what's going wrong in the future? Or what's going right about all these things? Yeah, definitely. There's there's so many different asset, um, aspects to this that I didn't really think about, even with past life experiences. Um, my son, um, we've had experiences with him. And when I was um, writing um, Always With You, my son, my son is now 28, but when he was little, he was obsessed with the army. That's all he talked about. He'd only wear army um, camouflage clothing till probably probably around till 14. And we'd have to go to every single Anzac Day, no matter what. And it was Anzac Day and I was procrastinating. Um, we'd gone to the service and I got home and I was supposed to be writing, my, writing the book. And then um, Ancestry.com jumped up and it was... 
were saying, you know, free, the records are free for the day, and but it was only First World War and I didn't realise it was because I was looking um, for Second World War for my grandfather. Anyway, this man kept jumping up because my grandfather's um, Bernard Ernest G and then this other man's was Walter Ernest G. And he kept jumping up, jumping up, and it was like, oh, in the end, I just clicked it. I thought, well, what's going on? And I clicked it. And my son, who I was talking about before, he'd always said he was in the army, he was going to be a gunner, he was a tradie, and he we have to look after the mum. He was going to go into the army at one point. Anyway, I looked at this man, um, his name, and he, and, I, and he was a gunner, and he was an, he was an electrician, and he grew up around, he was around San Susie kind of area, Kaima actually, and he lived in Randwick where my dad was when he was younger. But um, I looked a bit further and his birthday was my son's exact birthday, but 100 years before. And I went, oh, that's a bit strange. And then I looked a bit further and then I found that he's he's, um, was buried up at um, the uh, Warrenora Cemetery, which is not far from where we live. Mm -hmm. And so I went up with divining rods with my son and we found found him. And then my son actually um, went under hypnosis uh, with a dear friend of ours, Mary Rodwell, and... um, he was actually Walter. So Walter actually came to us and f- so Blake now understands that that was his past life experience. So all of these things as a little boy and being obsessed with the army, it was his memories of the past. Yeah. And how wonderful to have a mother like you just sort of pursue these things <laughs> further. <laughs> Thank you. Except when they're, you know, they, they're out somewhere, when they were younger, they were out somewhere where they shouldn't have been and they'd be going, oh, that sucks, Mum, you shouldn't know that, you know. <laughs> Why can't you be normal? <laughs> I want to have a normal mother. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So um, I'll tell you a little story. I knew knew the moment my beloved grandmother had died. I was just, I was in the kitchen making myself a cup of tea and I was just overcome with this feeling, a tremendous feeling, but not of sadness at all, of, of such love. And, and contentment and, and knowledge that, that things were at peace, you know, and I, I just knew it. And then an hour or so later, my mum called and said, oh, you know, she's gone. And, um, oh. and so I do believe we have those connections. But how does this happen? Why are we presented with moments like this? Yeah, I think we're all um, intrinsically connected to each other and um, it's about our frequency. It's also, I think, within our DNA there's there's that connection as well. You know, a lot of mums will know um, with their kids because, you know, that there's that, it's not that males don't either but mm. it tends to be a lot more females with, you know, because they've given birth to the child, I think, that connection. But uh, I do feel that we are all connected in, if you look at the old ways it's, we were, and we didn't have TV and all this technology, we probably would have made more or paid more attention to these senses but in this day and age there's so much stuff coming at us we've got our phones going constantly and all our technology everybody's you know on the internet and there's a I think wi-fi too there's a lot of other energy around us and when you think of the amount of satellites above us now you know it's it's really quite different because there's a lot of electrical activity Whereas before we'd plant by, you know, we'd plant by the seasons and we would look at, you know, the moon phases and I think we were a lot more connected back then. But I feel people are now finding another way and wanting to be reconnected and just, you know, I think too when we love someone, that love, you know, that gives us that connection as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 at us in a sort of a physical as well as at a, a sort of a, um, a psychic level. Yeah, definitely. And I think even in life and death, we're only a thought away. So we can think about someone and they could be alive and they can suddenly ring us. Yeah. Or we'll bump into them up the street or the other side. We think about someone and then we get a message from a loved one on the other side. Yeah. 
So it's, I think our brain's a lot more complex than we tend to give it credit for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is, isn't it, you know? Yes. And our hearts and our souls, it's also it's also huge. Yes, definitely. And I think the consciousness has changed significantly over the last two years because when you look at um, there's been a lot of doom and gloom, but there's also been a lot of sadness, yes. you know, and I think a lot of people, our frequencies are changing. Mm. So now it's trying to focus on the positives because, you know, and, and being mindful that we don't know how long we're here for. Yes. So making the most of the time we have and creating memories with our loved ones. Yeah. You know, because that's what we take with us. We can't take the car or the house and all the money. You know, it's it's that it's the soul memories we, that follow us through our lifetimes. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad to hear that you think we're we're being lifted up now because um, I, I think it's something we need and something we want as well. Most definitely, <laughs> yes. <laughs> to be um, I like to ask guests sometimes about books that have been important to them. Have there been any books that have been guides to you along the way? I think the Dawn Hill's books were really interesting to me. Yeah, I was told about her when I first started my journey and I was really lucky enough to be able to buy three of them and, and uh, you know, they'd been long out of print at that stage. So, yeah, yeah. and Rosemary Althea, she had some very interesting uh, books as well. Um, now, Dawn Hill was Australian, wasn't she? Yeah, she was from Tasmania. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and she was, she was a famous psychic? Yes, yeah, she was. I'm just trying to think this. Um, How interesting, yeah. Well, that's the name you should follow up, listeners, because uh, she's a she's a great pioneer in this field in, in Australia, at least. Yeah. yeah, it was it was really quite. She was really quite ahead of her time. When I when I look back and read it again, you think, oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, yeah. And she was brave to write back then because back then it would have been classed as a cult. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it wasn't. And um, did you ever imagine that you would become a writer yourself? No, I didn't. It was funny because I did my apprenticeship at Australian Consolidated Press. So, yeah. yeah, so I was a typesetter, compositor and graphic designer. And so I was always on the other side of proofreading and editing and putting the pages together. So I, I knew how things should look. But then here I am, you know, I'm on the other side now and I'm actually writing. So that's that's been really interesting. And it's funny because when you write, it's... Um, it's quite a private kind of thing. You're sort of at home, just you and the computer. And then when the book goes out, you forget that people are going to – well, you hope they'll read it. But when people do, it's kind of like, oh, how do you know that? It's like, oh, that's right, I wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's very cathartic in one way, but yeah. it's it's also um, – it's so humbling to think people even, even want to read your books. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. But they do, of course, especially they want to read yours because you've got so many fascinating stories to tell them. And not just books, but cards as well. And with your cards, um, and I've got your beautiful guardian angel reading cards right in front of me, which I, I love to consult. Oh, but with the cards, you're you're dealing with the angelic realm. Have you always uh, communicated with the angels? Yeah, I've always felt them around me. I used to always feel um, like uh, even fairy kind of energy around me. I love nature. And um, when my first little cards that I did were the angel um whispers it was interesting no angel wishes sorry they kept telling me these little messages and they told me to write them down and it's like why and they said because you need to share them that's why we're giving them to you and it was funny at first when I started to hear them talking it's like well who's that and you know and they they're very persistent and once I started to write down I realized I had this incredible um team communicating with me and, and giving me messages for others like especially with these I, I have the visions I probably drive Rockpool crazy when I do my cards because I get the vision in a certain form 
and it has to look like what they show me. And then, because then the, usually um, the w- words will arrive after the vision oh, okay. of the card. So I'll see in my head what the card needs to look like. Then I write the words to go with that. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. So that it's it's a it's a visual thing with you. Yes. Um, is it always that way when you give re- readings as well or, or are you getting other other stimulus? I have a lot of things going on. Um, I'm clear audience, so I, oh. I, I hear in my righty clairvoyant, clairsentient. Um, we actually have eight psychic clairs, so all of them seem to work at once, but I might smell perfumes, I might taste certain things if grandma's, you know, baked dinner. Um, I definitely see things, but I see symbology. I see a lot of numbers as well, so numerology is a big part of what I do. But when I do do a reading, I usually um, I see off to the right side there's like a little TV screen and they'll show me little clips of different things. Um, sometimes they'll remind me of things that have happened to me in my life to give me that feeling of what it feels like for that person. And they give me signs and symbology like um, sometimes I might see a juggler and it just shows me somebody's trying to do too many things. They'll give me a bag of marbles and then if the bag of marbles has got a hole in it and the um, marbles are dropping out, that can mean someone's they're getting a bit forgetful. They might be there might be a family member with dementia or Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. or it could be someone's a bit scattered and they're all over the place. You know, and they, so there's all different things. You know, hands could be healing. Um, yeah, it's all butterflies, feathers, it's all different things. Wow. You mentioned clairsentience. What is clairsentience exactly? So clairsentience is that clear feeling that we get. So you might get that feeling or just knowing. There's clear empathy as well. So empathy is in the heart. Uh Sentience is in the tummy, so in our solar plexus. So sometimes we get that gut feeling going off that something feels really exciting or bubbly and wonderful or it might feel very heavy like dread as if to say, well, don't don't do that. It makes you feel like you want to be sick sometimes. Oh, interesting, yeah. So there are all different ways for uh, for our angels and guides to communicate with us. Definitely. And if you don't have all of the different forms, that doesn't mean that you're not connecting properly with your guides. It just, dem- it just depends on how you work with your team. I find it very difficult when, you know, sometimes you go to Mind Body Spirit Festival and some people th- tell, you know, they get on stage and say, you have to do it this way, it's my way. I don't know who makes the rules up. I think it's you and your team and whatever's best for you. And I think that's the best thing. It's if it feels right, then do it. And um, like I know when I was in circle, I used to see, feel, hear, smell. I, I'd get, get it all and some of the others didn't. And I, then they were saying, how did you do that? And I didn't know it just happened. Yeah. But it is possible to enhance those abilities and awaken them uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. through practice. And and through the sort of teaching that you offer through your through your books as well. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I'm running – I actually run Zoom web, um, workshops now. Oh, do you? Yeah, so I've been doing – started doing that this year and it's been really, really amazing because everybody's all in different parts of the world. Yeah. And um, then they read each other. They'll put them in a in a Zoom room, and then they'll they'll read each other. And they were absolutely phenomenal. They were quite shocked. It was like, how do we get that? How do we know that? And even through running the meditation through the workshop, they actually all met their guides and their angels. And yeah, it's been really wonderful. It sounds wonderful. What a great opportunity. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what one good thing that COVID's given us, isn't it? That we can learn to communicate via technology. And yeah. it's, it's interesting how the angels have adapted to yes. that, really, when you think, because they will u- utilise, you know, they, they're sort of working with us to see what technology is accessible to both sides, really. Yeah. So is there an angel of Zoom? I think so. Well, well, sometimes it doesn't work at my house, but yeah, most of the time. <laughs> well, I won't ask about the angel of Instagram live. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Definitely we all, not. Well, now that's worked out. Um, 
Tell us, Debbie, about your book, Awaken Your Psychic Ability. Uh, when did that When did that come out first? Oh, I think it came came out about six years ago, six years I ago. think. Yes. And it's, it's become a classic, hasn't it? It has, which is really wonderful. It's yeah, a, yeah. The, the reason I wrote the book is because when I started my early journey, there wasn't any one book that had all the different sort of different forms in there. Yeah. I have a lot of spiritual books at home. Some of them I've read cover to cover. Some I've read and bits and pieces jumped out and other bits just didn't resonate. Yeah. And I wanted to find something that would make it um, simple and easy to understand but also accessible to people so that they understood that they didn't have to go and meditate for 10 hours a day mm-hmm. to be able to access the other realms. And mm-hmm. I've... I've written it um, sort of step by step with the the different um, exercises and meditations to go through and just to give people little pointers of things that are there. They Some of them may resonate with them, some of them may not. Um, I found when I first started to do readings, I well, when I first started to connect, I, the only way I could see anything was I'd have to be in a meditative state and sort of put myself into that and then I'd see things and I'd have to pull myself out and then remember. Mm. Now I'm to the point I just see it all the time. Okay. You know, so I could be walking down the street and know something's happened in a certain spot or, or someone will walk past me and I can feel something about them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, uh, the other important thing was about learning how to clear your house or even just about um, controlling your abilities or, you know, being able to turn them on and off. Yeah. And with protection, you know, and the, the, the do's and don'ts of when you do things, you know, cause, and, and even with pendulums. You know, people might consult their pendulum 50 times till it tells them yes to something, <laughs> even though it's told them the other 49 times no, you no, know. <laughs> I keep going until I got the yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but it's also the signs and symbols that we see on an everyday basis. There's so many things that are that you know, put before us, you know, the clouds and number plates, you know, number sequences. You look at your watch and the t- there's certain times that jump out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, you're obviously believe that this sort of thing can be taught through through books it, if people are willing to be patient and to do the exercises and to let themselves develop. Definitely. Well, I call it our spiritual GPS system So, because yeah. our global psychic system because what happens, we because um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we all have abilities. Not everybody's going to be a medium or, you know, full-time medium or a psychic, but we can utilise it to help guide us in our life and, you know, with making positive you know, sort of positive um, decisions in things. I think, too, the other thing is it's, it's about exercising it. So the more we practice, the better things become. Like a lot of the Olympic runners or swimmers, they didn't become the fastest in the world or the best in the world just by um, reading a book. But it's, you know, or by just training every day. I mean, like training once a week. It's more a matter of practicing and seeing what your strengths and your weaknesses are. Mm. You know, and, and if something, if you're drawn to something, um, then yes, I think it's better off to practice with that, and then through that, then it can open up. But uh, and the other thing is, a lot of people are frightened. They a lot of people want to see, and then when they see, they get frightened and they go, "Take it away! I don't want to know anymore." So, you know, I think the other saying is, "Be careful what you wish for; you just might get it." So it's be careful what you do. But um, I think if you if you do things carefully and you know of of a positive mindset, then the possibilities are endless and amazing. As we've referred to a couple of times, we've all had a, a tough couple of years and um, many of us are now faced with new beginnings, whether we wanted to or not. You know, uh, people starting different jobs, uh, uh, having a, a, a different situation at home, um, or, or they want to make uh, these new beginnings. I'm hearing a lot of people saying they want to do something totally different with their lives now. How do we, cyclic, how do, how do we psychically prepare 
for a new start in anything? Yeah, I think... Well, I think it's just stepping stones, so starting to think about things that make you happy. You know, they're saying that now is the time of the great resignation and I am seeing that a lot of people are wanting to change their their way of life and even about their work life balance and having balance that's the thing do we just do we live to work or do we work to live and I think that's the thing but we still need to have some joy in there but I think if we want to make changes it's not about doing it all at once because you're going to be disappointed because things just don't happen overnight I think manifesting and and feeling and thinking about that future that you would like to create and even feeling it as though you already have it you know manifesting is a very very strong tool Again, it's another free tool, but it, it does work. But you just need the other word is patience. So for me, that's the dirty spiritual word that people don't like to hear. It's a bit like the F swear word, but you know, <laughs> it was like, you know, patience, oh my God, people don't have that. I think that's the biggest thing. And, um, and belief, you know, anything is possible. Like during COVID, when um, we were doing the, the the first year, I decided I was going to get my drone license. So that was, that was my thing that I did. Mind you, my drone's been a bit naughty and she she went off to the highway and didn't want to come back. She lost control from the um, from the phone. I did get it back, but she went back in a case pretty fast. So oh. I don't know if I'm going to be a famous drone operator, I have to okay. say. But, um, <laughs> you know, I wanted to do something a little bit different, you know. And, and I think it's just – it doesn't have to be that. I think it could be just getting outside in the garden. It could be exercising or going hiking or just, you know, going to yoga or just – thinking about mindfulness or writing affirmations you know there's a whole lot of things we can do that don't cost any money but it's just another way of expressing ourselves Mm, mm. just sort of testing the waters yeah yeah definitely and think about what it is that makes you happy because i think we've all forgotten yeah yeah debbie tell us about doing readings for other people how how early in the piece did you start doing that and and what has the experience been like for you I've been doing readings for over 30 years now, so that's a pretty scary thought. Uh, Initially, I didn't want to do it because, like I said, I was a graphic designer. And then um, it ended up – I would go out and sometimes I would see things around people and I would say it. And then it ended up – people would start to say, well, you do your reading for me. And I didn't even know what you did because I'd never had one. (laughs) And and then I ended up – you know, I just sort of started working from home to start with. And it was just sort of – it was sort of like a – a side thing because I was doing the graphic design and then it end, I kept having more and more people ringing me for readings and that's just started from there. Um, yeah, it was never a chosen vocation. I'm the biggest sceptical psychic you'll ever meet because <laughs> I want proof of everything. I, I yeah, Just, just yeah. because I read it in a book or I see it on the television doesn't mean it's real. Yeah. So I have to have my own experience. But the only, well, the only thing that really kept me doing it is if, if it helps people and I can see the significant changes in people when they make contact with a loved one and you tell them things that nobody else would know. And I think that's the wonderful thing. But it's also, even with people, about positives in their life. You know, sometimes people feel a little bit stuck and they just need a bit of guidance. Sometimes they might say, I already already feel what feels right, but I just want confirmation of that. And I won't... um, you know, I normally I don't do it. I can't do it anymore. But I used to do psychometry, so I would just hold a piece of jewelry and shut my eyes and just tune in and tell them what I saw, and then we would go from there. It's a little bit different now because I only do it remotely through Zoom or Skype or phone. But yeah, I can um I can read people's photographs and through it's like you do psychometry through the photos. Uh huh. And sometimes you'll look at the photo 
in the photo will be it'll come to life so it might be a photograph of someone who's deceased but then it'll be a black and white or a sepia shot but then the photo expands and I'm actually in the location and seeing what they were doing that day or the things that they had around them what they were wearing or there might be a significant ring they had on their finger that will jump out at me but in the photo it's not even there but actually in in my psychic mind it'll all start to come to life yeah yeah which is it's it's quite interesting to see the changes that I've you know, that I've experienced over these last few years. Wow, wow. Uh, so so do you think this time being locked away has ex- expanded your, your abilities in some way? Yeah, I think so. Um, it, when it when COVID first hit, it was pretty challenging. Yes. And it was just sort of working out next. And I have had COVID and I've been suffering long COVID. So that... It was. It's getting back to me again. I think um, mm. sometimes it, you feel. No, when I'm doing when I'm doing readings, it's completely different. I'm right in the zone, and I always, you know, I see everything. But um, I think if when I was sick with COVID, it was kind of very. Um, I don't know. A bit spacey. I feel. I feel that was the only way I could put it. You felt a bit. Um, I don't know. A bit slow. Mm, mm. Yeah, but um, yeah, I would definitely say I've expanded because I've had to learn different ways to connect with my guides, and um, and it I think too just having time when we were definitely in the lockdown, I um was outside a lot in the garden, building a veggie garden. But I think every creature known to man ate it, but the family. <laughs> but it was nice just to be outside and you know reconnecting with the earth, which was good. Yeah, yeah. Debbie Debbie Malone, you've been uh, you've been someone who's gone to haunted locations and, and communicated with, uh, with ghosts and, and spirits from the other side. Um, is there a difference between those two things, a ghost and a spirit on the other side? Yes, yes. There's, uh, it's, it's with, um, with a loved one, they're not going to frighten us and uh-huh. they love to be around us. But I find when it's um, in a haunted location, I, w- I recently went to um, a place called Wollombi about a month ago and um, we went to some haunted areas there and it was really, it was really interesting, a bit scary because um, the whole town's very haunted and um, there was some beautiful Indigenous cage, um, caves at the back of the property so met some beautiful Indigenous uh, people in some areas so that energy was beautiful but then there was a lot of convict energy and um that you could we actually captured quite a lot of images of things sort of flying out of the cells and you know trying to pick up energy on what what had happened there um but yeah when you come into sydney especially central station yeah. it's so haunted because um you've got mortuary station right next door i've captured amazing images out the front of there when we've run ghost tours but underneath central there's a whole lot of um bodies because it's you know there's people were buried under there and town hall station so it's really haunted um a number they were both of, cemeteries weren't they yeah because a number yeah. of years back when they were doing renovations these um coffins popped out of the from underneath when they sort of moved some of the walls there so not that you expect that under town hall do you no terrifying <laughs> 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 yeah but uh, yeah I, I really like um trying to capture the images because it's proof picton yeah. is an area i did a lot of the ghost tours with i used to work with liz um vincent when she was alive and and there's the mushroom tunnel, which is now closed. But there's a lot of historical areas, um, and we're not definitely not as old as overseas, but we still do capture images. And with our phones these days, they they're amazing. Yeah, you know, you can yeah, you just put it on video. You, you put the light on, and and um, you can actually capture ghosts very easily. 
fascinating. Speaking of technology, you talk about divining rods. Now, what are they? Yeah, we um, they're um, well, I've the ones I've got. They're like they've got copper sleeves and just like oh. bent L L shaped um, rods. You can people used to use witch hazel as well, and oh. they would just get a stick and they would do it with a stick. I don't have the ability for that, but um, yeah, definitely I have some fun with the divining rods. You can um, we've used it when we were in a cemetery at Picton to try and find a headstone. So, so they, you can scan and it'll find things. They tell you when there's energy around. Yeah, you can use them for divining water. People use them for divining minerals. Um, but you can div- use them to divine lost objects or, you know, um, you know, deceased people. Wow. Yeah. So that's just part of uh, your toolbox. Yeah, I just started doing it for a bit of fun and then they were really working because, you know, me being the sceptic. But, yeah, they they are fun. Um it's like well, pendulums and and um, divining rods. Rods, sorry, are very well connected. But uh-huh. you you can use them to find things, and um, but also they're they're very good um, to measure the aura as well. So uh, we've got divining rods. We've got some. We've got a pendulum. Uh, any other hardware that you like to use when you you're practicing your art? Um, mainly just the all just with the photographs yes. and the. Um, yeah, and in the jewelry, like it's sometimes yeah. it's it's interesting. Someone might give you a piece of jewelry, they d- you know they don't know who owned it, or they want to know the story. Ah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that especially if people buying antique items. Yes. You know they have their own little energies, and I've, I've had some experiences with that as well in the past. So if somebody buys a beautiful piece of antique jewelry, is there a or should should they psychically cleanse it in some way? Yeah, I think so. I think they should try and cleanse it and. Um, some people, sometimes people soak it, you know, soak it or just some people leave them out under the moon and, you know, uh-huh. do things that way that they do with their crystals. Um, but, yeah, I think you have to be very mindful of when you when you pick a piece of jewellery up, um, hold it and just feel what it feels like. I had um, one client who bought two antique pieces separately. So one was a, a big sterling silver fob chain. The other one was a beautiful sterling silver locket. So she put them together, but every time she'd wear it, the the necklace felt like it was burning her neck and choking her. So she asked me to hold on to it. And I separated them so that I held the locket. The locket was fine. It was very happy. She she loved it as much as the previous owner. But the, the actual chain, it was it didn't want her to have it because it had been bequeathed to another family member who'd then sold it on to an antique store. Oh. So every time this lady wore it, the, the previous owner in spirit was angry. Yeah. So it would choke her because it didn't want her. It wasn't supposed to be hers. Fascinating. So I, I said to her, I think if you, you know, let that one go, well, she actually sold it again. So some other poor unsuspecting <laughs> person probably copped it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, too, if you're not spiritually aware, you wouldn't even notice. Yes. Yeah. Like I, um, I make angel jewellery now and I buy a lot of antique angel medals from the 1800s to 1900s and I mould them into silver, like I'll mould them and then turn them into sterling silver and um, create pendants and or memorial pieces with them. And I can't touch them because they're on, oh, sorry, they're on the internet, so, you know, I might buy them through Etsy or something. But it's funny, when they come, they all, they all have, have this beautiful energy and it's almost like they want to be chosen, Yeah, you know, to, to sort of show love to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, you've created the most 
exquisite angel decks in the world, I think. They're just, they're just oh, lovely. Thank you. Your angel reading cards, your guardian angel reading cards, which are, which are guarding me right at this moment. So I don't really <laughs> need any guarding from you, I don't think. <laughs> no. <laughs> they're right here. But they're in constant use in my house, and, I, and, and they're the ones oh. I pull out when people come over too because people, people just seem to be so reassured by these angelic images, even if they don't actually think they believe in anything like that, you know. Yes. It just brings a smile to their faces. Um, I want to know more about the angels in your life. Uh, say say you're, you're dressed, you're bathed, you're ready to leave the house. Do you call the angels in to accompany you when you go out into the world? Yeah, sometimes. Um I'll usually, I just, it's a bit, this seems a bit mean. I feel like they're there all the time. So okay. I've got to the point I don't even really ask them. I, I do have my little angel medals that I wear sometimes. And yeah, sometimes if I don't feel like I'm in a safe um, environment, I will call them in. And to be honest, they have saved me so many times. Have and they? Yes, we, we went to Uluru a few years ago because I wanted to create a deck with um, uh, with sort of clouds and things and, and and of significant locations so we were going to fly over Uluru at sunset in Katajuda in the helicopter and in the morning I just felt sick the whole day I felt sick and I, I thought oh maybe it's excitement sick and I was like no you feel sick I just had this sick tummy and um, we got we got to the airport and then the helicopter wouldn't start and he tried it three times and I said think we need another one there's another two over there do you think he says no no this one's good and I was like oh no that's not good not good and I actually had this pendant on and I had another one and I'm like rubbing the angels and thinking come on it'll be all right it'll be all right and so there was only three of us in the in the helicopter pilot was in the front my husband's to the left I was in the back I had a Canon camera and I had my phone anyway we went up and we were starting to get near Katajuda and um there was a funny frequent, funny vibration, just didn't feel right. And we got a bit closer and I was taking photos and my camera jammed and nothing, just was, everything was white. So I didn't have any images and I was getting cross because I thought, spent all this money, this is the time, you know. Then I thought, I'll try the phone, tried the phone, the phone went white. Then the emergency alarm went off on the dashboard and um, it started to shudder a bit more. And uh, he said, I think we need to make an emergency landing. So he, he called in to say, we're, we're, we're going to land now because we've got trouble. And he said that the um, the governor, which controls the tail rotor, was not connecting to the dash. So I'm thinking usually helicopter things don't, don't end very well. No. And I was thinking, this is it. We're, we're dead. We're gone. And I was like, no angels. And I kept calling them in. And um, I started, my phone came back on, but the camera didn't. So I just took photos all the way down because I thought, well, if we die, they're going to have evidence. And it was so funny. We, we got we got down and I, I just couldn't believe it. And I was like, the angel saved us. I'm saying to my husband, the angels. He says, oh, you and your angels. And I said, well, how do you get out of that one? Because even the, even the pilot couldn't believe it. Yeah. And, yeah, we were fine. And I was just so grateful. But um, get a bit scared of helicopters now. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah but Even I'm, with the angels. <laughs> yeah, even with the angels. I think I'd rather fly with an angel than a helicopter, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie, wow. So they, they really can... Um, help us at, at at that sort of basic and really profound level as well, really material level. Yes, yes, they can. And I think 
had a, another incident incident in when we went to Europe and I do truly believe that they are there and I think it's just we just need to call them in. I think the the thing is people try to complicate it too much and whether they worry if they're saying the right incantation or the right prayer or and one of the reasons I wrote the cards the way that I did because there are there are a lot of angel cards out there but we tend to get confused with which angels which whether it's Archangel Michael or if it's Raphael or Uriel or Metatron the way they speak to me, they say you need an angel of the purpose, like of purpose. So if it's an angel of positivity or if it's an angel of guidance or if it's an angel of bullying or unity, I think of the, the purpose that I want the angel for and I think of it that way and it happens a lot easier mm-hmm. because they know, what they've, you know, they know what they want and we can ask for more than one. There are numerous angels out there and I think it's more a matter of just believing and calling them in you know, they're there for all of us on tap. And again, they're free. So it's not like, you know, we need to think we have to pray f- so many hours so that, that, that they will come to us. They're there for us. I think the main thing is just the belief and the trust that, that they're always, you know, only a thought away. Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful idea. Gives me so much solace to move on in my life, Debbie. Oh, thank you. And that's what your work does for people as well, bringing the knowledge of the angels to everybody and encouraging it encouraging people also to to have trust in their psychic gifts as well. Debbie, help me out here. Uh, There's one question that I like to ask all of our guests, and that is, what's one thing our listeners can all start doing today to live a more expansive life? I think being more mindful and just being aware of the energies and subtle changes that we have around us getting outside listening to the birds you know looking at the flowers um looking at the clouds you know and i think just being nice to each other you know and maybe even thinking of what's what's your purpose what's your word for the day so as you get up and getting ready it's like okay what's my word for the day what is it you know is it happiness is it is it smile more you know it's be nice to another i think it's trying to think of things you know that it's a positive action you know, and then you could get to the point that you make your own mantra up as you're walking to work, you know. I'm happy, happy, heavenly and healed or, you know, whatever whatever that may be. But it's something that when you hear those words, it actually changes your vibration and puts you on a positive sort of step. Well, Debbie, my word for the day is gratitude. And I've been so grateful that you've been able to come in and chat with us. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was absolutely wonderful. Thank you. It's been lots of fun. Bless you. Thank you. Bless you too. Thanks for listening to Expanded Thinking. If you would like to purchase Debbie's books or Oracle cards, follow the links in the show notes. Next week on the podcast, I'll be speaking with author and spiritual teacher Alana Fairchild about her Oracle cards and healing work. Please remember to subscribe if you like our content. And of course, leave us a review. Expanded Thinking podcast is hosted by Walter Mason and produced by Talking Words. The podcast is recorded on Gadigal land. We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging.